And I know people who are have battle fatigue over getting COVID vaccine. Like, oh, more, more, more vaccines. I don't know if it's more, more vaccines. I think it's more. Uh, why, why don't we kind of come up with a yearly shot, especially for the people at risk? Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari. You can see it. I mean, it's crystal clear. I think it's going to really revolutionize things. Those, which is a big game changer. All information discussed or provided by Jonathan Bakhtari, MD, Dr. Bakhtari, and or his affiliates and guests are for educational purposes only. The information discussed and provided is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical concern or condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of any information discussed or provided by Dr. Bakhtari or his affiliates and guests. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call 911 immediately. Welcome to another episode of Bakhtari MD. And today what I want to talk about is how this pandemic is going to wind down. I know I've talked about on other videos about the pandemic turning to something that's more endemic, but really I think things are becoming more clear. I think the Omicron variant as is played out has showed us what coronaviruses traditionally do, which is cause illness, but a relatively minor illness. And this really gets back to my point that I made before, which is coronaviruses, which what which COVID-19 is a coronavirus, have traditionally you know, comprised up to one third of all colds that most of us grew up with. So two, three, four, or five, 10 years ago, if you got a cold, a third of the time you probably had a coronavirus. So you can think of it as a cousin to this SARS-CoV-2 virus or the COVID-19 virus. So we're all familiar with this virus, and it's been a relatively benign illness for most of our lives. When we get a coronavirus, we get the runny nose, we get the sinus congestion, occasionally a little fever, but for the most part, it's just confined to your upper respiratory tract and your sinuses and your pharynx or the, the back of your throat. And so that's how we've known it. And I think out of all the variants, what you know, we, when you compare the original wild type variant out of Wuhan and then compare it to the second variant and then finally the, the Delta and then the, the Omicron, what you're seeing is uh, a slow return to what a cold used to look like. So really, in many ways, you know, we can, with, you know, being able to look in the rearview mirror, we can see the coronavirus causing a baseline cold. Now, then we have the SARS-CoV-2 version, which besides causing a cold, invaded the lower respiratory tract and the lungs and was significantly harder on people with pre-existing conditions and comorbidities uh, and obesity. And then we're slowly, what appears to be, going back to what a cold used to look like. And we still ha have a lot of deaths so I don't think we can say the Omicron is back to what a cold was, but you can certainly tell that it's getting closer than what the Delta and the other two uh, variants were. So will this continue? Of course, there's no guarantees, but if we want to speculate, I think what we're going to probably see is this SARS-CoV-2 join the family 
of viruses, the family of coronaviruses that cause the common cold. Now, is it possible that there'll be still higher death rates among the elderly and people with comorbidities? Yes, and I think that really speaks to the path forward. So on one hand, we can look at it as going back to the common cold, but I think we need to worry still about the subset of of the population who are at risk for having an outcome worse than what a common cold would be. And I think that's where the vaccine strategy is probably going towards. In other words, we really need to have a very, very elegant vaccine strategy for new versions of the COVID vaccine uh, against the you know the more common recent variants uh, for people at high risk, elderly, maybe anyone above fifty or sixty, maybe healthcare workers, maybe people with a lot of comorbidities. So that's probably going to be the strategy moving forward. And I think as that becomes more obvious, and I I think what you're going to see is a winding down of some of the lockdowns and the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates, I think what we're going to see as it becomes just an integral part of life, then we will slowly see governments and uh, localities and institutions uh, coming to deal with it, uh, where we protect still the vulnerable vulnerable, but as we've seen with Omicron, expect this to be Omicron and any variants after that to be a part of daily living. Obviously, we still may have to make some minor adjustments. For example, you know, I think some of the strategies we've put into place in terms of having massive crowds for no reasons or you know, still maintaining some level of social distancing, you know, maybe the barriers at the bank, you know, where the glass barriers at different places may not come down for a while. So I think maintaining some of that can't hurt, but I think slowly we're probably going to see the winding down. And you're starting to see that. You're starting to see countries like England, even New Zealand just made an announcement of starting to plan to back down on some of their lockdown strategies. And eventually, I think uh, if if the Omicron continues to wind down, and any new variants, uh, you know, are as mild or milder, I think we're going to slowly evolve into what I call just like a steady state with a vaccine strategy, mainly for the elderly at risk population, although anyone can get it just like getting a flu shot. Let's just talk about the vaccine strategy. So clearly, one of the things that, you know, the, the series of original vaccines have shown us that with time, we see a drop in antibody response after you get, you know, two doses and even three doses. So one strategy would be to come up with the fourth, fifth, and sixth. But the good news is the vaccines, even after two, three doses, while they won't necessarily prevent illness, uh, they seem to be holding up really well in terms of preventing severe hospitalization and death. So if that's really you have to really look at it say, what do you really want the vaccines to do? Do you want vaccines to prevent all infections or do you ju- just want the vaccines to prevent severe hospitalization and death? If that's your goal, then I think the, cur- the current vaccine is successful. I think part of that without getting into the physiology is we know uh, besides the antibody response, there is a T-cell mediated response. And I think the vaccines still hold up when it comes to T-cell or T-cell 
uh, killer cells and other aspects of the cell-mediated immunity, even though antibodies are coming down, I think the T cells still are there and they're able to prevent the severe hospitalization and death. So I think the, the long-term strategy is not necessarily to keep giving booster after booster, but as uh, Pfizer and Moderna have talked about, they've started clinical trials of looking at the vaccine, which has been altered um, to target more the Omicron variant. Now, I know a lot of people, when they hear that, they they start arguing, well, this is like whack-a-mole, the new variant comes out, we come out with a new vaccine. But that's what we've been doing essentially with the flu shot for decades, you know, where we, you know, figure out what the recent crop is and then come up with a multivalent vaccine and we give it out in August, September, and October. So I think since the SARS-CoV-2 virus is an upper respiratory virus, which if it follows, if it read the playbook on the other other respiratory viruses, should generally peak in the fall and winter over time, then coming up with a new vaccine early in the flu season meaning uh, August, September, uh, for the latest coronavirus uh, or SARS-CoV-2 variant is probably the strategy that we're going to see. So it is, if you want to call it whack-a-mole, it is, but on some level, it really isn't. It's just coming out with the yearly best shot to cover the most recent variants. And I know people who are have battle fatigue over getting COVID vaccine, like, oh, more, more, more vaccines. I don't know if it's more, more vaccines. I think it's more uh, what. Why don't we kind of come up with a yearly shot, especially for the people at risk that covers as many as we can? And we lived with that strategy with the flu shot. And, you know, many seasons at best, the flu shot only protected you about 60, 65 percent. So but we thought, well, that's good. I mean, if it protects you from catch, getting a severe case of the flu two thirds of the time, that's a win. So. Uh, hopefully it'll be better than that because of the mRNA technology. But if we can come up with a new version of the vaccine in the summer for release in the early fall, uh, targeting the most common variants that we've seen prior to that, and then just ride out the uh, upper respiratory virus season with that flu- with that version of the shot for our COVID shot, I think that would be a win and would save, you know, thousands, thousands, thousands of lives. Again, if you look at the endpoint and say, I just want to prevent death and and hospitalization, not I want to stop everyone from getting it. And if if the majority of people, the vast majority of people who get it is just a upper respiratory, a cold in essence, upper respiratory infection, that's a win. I think trying to say we're going to wipe out upper respiratory viruses is probably not uh, realistic. So I think uh, addressing the bad part of the SARS-CoV-2, which is it causes death in a certain subset of the population for the most part, is probably the vaccine strategy that makes the most sense. So a lot of people then ask me about what about natural immunity? And, you know, again, I think the best way to sort out natural immunity is look at other coronaviruses. Generally speaking, you get immunity, but I don't think anyone really thinks you're going to get lifelong immunity from natural immunity. So yes, of course, natural immunity is going to be effective in preventing infection in the near to moderate term. But long term, if the SARS-CoV-2 virus is like the other coronaviruses, uh, even natural immunity will eventually wane. 
So I really think that having this seasonal SARS-CoV-2 vaccine with the latest variants included is probably going to be the best strategy. And natural immunity, of course, will help people get through a season or two. I don't think it's a lifelong thing where if you catch the Omicron, you're good for the rest of your life. And we already know that because we know many people have already gotten reinfected uh, you know, if to argue that natural immunity is good for life would mean that we wouldn't be seeing these high risk of reinfections. And we are. We're seeing people who maybe got the coronavirus maybe early or in the mid middle part of the pandemic and now getting Omicron now. So will natural immunity give you some relief for the short to maybe moderate term, yes. Will it give you lifelong immunity? If it's like the other respiratory viruses, the other coronaviruses, unlikely that you can just say, I'm good forever and ever. You're probably not going to get lifelong immunity from having an Omicron infection a month ago or two months ago. So I think this is why falling back on the vaccine, the once a year vaccine strategy is probably the way you get to go. And uh, I would imagine that, you know, once we get through this fall and spring, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a uh, version that came out, let's just say, at the same time as the flu shot. The other really great advantage of combining it to either being the same flu shot or you can give it at the same time, it's very unlikely. I mean, we already struggle to get people to come in for their flu shot. You know, we still have you know, 10, 20, 30, 40,000 people in the U.S. dying of the flu. And we, for years and years, have been trying to get people to come in for their flu shot. I think it would be too big of an ask to ask them to come in one season for the flu shot and another season for their COVID shot. It just makes so much sense to combine them together or at least give them at the same time. Because the biggest problem we have with vaccine-related illnesses, meaning vaccine related illnesses and death that could have been prevented by uh, vaccinations is really a missed opportunity to give someone the vaccine. In other words, you go to your doctor in August or September for back pain and and you should be offered the flu shot. So we, we have to catch every opportunity to give you the shot because the likelihood you're gonna make another appointment park your car, go up, fill out the clipboard (laughs) and do all that stuff just to get a flu shot is less likely. Of course, there are flu clinics and stuff like that. But I think we have to maximize. So in the old days, we we say, hey, if the patient comes in for anything during flu season, don't forget to give them to offer them the flu shot. So how much more that if they're coming in for the flu shot, you should offer them if there is a new version of the COVID-19 vaccine, you should offer it simultaneously. Because if we are having trouble getting, you know, 330 million people to come in once a year to get a flu shot, I don't think the odds are going to improve when we say, oh, come twice a year, once for the flu shot and once for something else. So I think from a public health point of view, from a from a missed opportunity point of view, we already have a lot of people who are used to coming in you know, September, October to get their flu shot and we have clinics and what have you. It just seems like it's such an amazing idea to combine the COVID-19 shot 
at the same time as the flu shot. So I would be really surprised if this flu season, some version of that doesn't come out. So just to wrap up my points, I really think uh, we're going to see in the conti- in the months to come, uh, you know, mass mandates and some of the social distancing mandates and requirements and the vaccine mandates start to be pulled back both here in the U.S. and across the world. Again, unless some crazy new variant comes out, I think we are probably going to see that. And we're going to probably see a more endemic strategy for deal to dealing with COVID-19. And I think the biggest component of that is to protect the most vulnerable as opposed to protect everybody. So we're, I think we're going to move from a strategy of protecting everybody to protecting the more vulnerable, especially if the cases continue to be mild in people with you know no risk factors. So I think that's going to be the way to go. Thank you for listening. You can check out my website, jonathanbakhtarimd.com to sign up for my newsletter. And you can watch this full episode over on my YouTube channel, BakhtariMD, where you can leave questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes. As always, be well. Thank you. Thank you.